0: You know, uh, you know, I've mentioned a few times that you know I've spent most of my life in, in the state of Michigan, and so uh, you know it, it does get warm in Michigan from time to time, but nothing like what I have experienced the past couple of years living in Tennessee and Kentucky. You know, of course, uh, this isn't you know the heat that that you would experience in, in Texas or in Florida, but it's this is still hot uh, for me and my family, and we're getting used to that. Uh, there was a rather strange headline that I saw uh, a, few month, or a few years ago, actually, and it said this. It was out of Braintree, Massachusetts, uh, which is a suburb of Boston, and here's what the headline said. It said, hold off on crime this weekend due to extreme heat. And so what this article goes on to inform the readers is that the police department jokingly was asking and using a little humor to convey to its citizens the the dangers of that week's heat wave. And so they said, you know, if you're planning on, you know, doing a crime this weekend, why don't you just go ahead and hold off and wait uh, until Monday when this heat wave, you know, uh, lowers down. And so, um, you know, I don't know if exactly it worked out for them uh, as much as they hoped it would. Uh, but it was kind of a, just an interesting article to hold off, just hold off doing those things until the heat wave uh, ends. You know, I don't know about you, but there are areas in my life where I hold off. You know, growing up, I used to be one of the biggest procrastinators I know, especially in school. You know, I was one of the kids who made, maybe waited until the week of that an assignment was due to get to work. You know, I hope that I've grown from that, but even in my home life, doing those things such as the home projects or, you know, lawn care, things like that, my wife would probably say, I'm still a procrastinator. I'm still holding off on doing some of those things. Even my decision to become a Christian, I remember I held off for a little while. I was taught the truth. I was taught what I needed to do according to the Bible. But I held off because uh, to me, I didn't know everything in the Bible. And so to me, I I used that as an excuse. I said, I asked myself, well, what will other people think of me? This wasn't how I was raised. And of course, you know, there was the fear of uh, at the worship services responding to the invitation. Now, before we uh, you know, move on into this lesson, just let me say this about the invitation. Uh, the invitation, of course, is an expedient that we give at the end of services for those who might want to get their lives right with Christ or who might want to become a Christian. But we don't have to wait at that particular moment to respond to the invitation. If that's something that we feel that we need to do, it doesn't matter if it's uh, midnight on Wednesday night. You know, if you want to re- re- Uh, become a Christian, you know, call someone up, but we'll come here and open up the building and we'll baptize you uh, back here in these waters. Uh, But the point is, is that we should not hold off. You remember Jesus gave this great uh, parable feast uh, in Luke chapter 14 of this great wedding feast that was happening. And he sent out, remember the, the, the great, the master sent out these invitations throughout the kingdom asking people to come to the feast. And we recall that there were those who made excuses. Remember, there was the one who said that uh, he had just bought a piece of land and he couldn't go right then and there. And then there was the one who bought the five yoke of oxen. Remember, uh, but he couldn't respond to the invitation at that particular moment because he had to go and check out the oxen. And then there was the man who had just got married. And of course, he used that as an excuse that he could not respond as well. But whether it is making a decision to become a child of God or recommitting our lives to Christ, you know, asking forgiveness either privately or publicly, why wait? Now, I'm reminded of a couple of other instances within Scripture of individuals who, who waited, who held off for peculiar, strange reasons. And so we're going to look at a couple of those. If you would turn to Exodus chapter 8, and we'll, we'll start with this first one of Pharaoh. You know, we're familiar with the account of of Moses in Exodus uh, in the book of Exodus, how, how um, the people were in slavery, the Israelite people were in slavery to, to the Egyptians, and they cry out uh, to God to free them, and God hears them to remove the slavery from them. And remember, uh, God comes to Moses in the burning bush, and he tells him that I'm going to choose you, Moses, to go and, and speak to Pharaoh to set my people free. And of course, after several excuses, Moses finally goes to Pharaoh and tells him to release the Israelites release them. But Pharaoh refuses. We know he does this over and over again. And consequently, God is going to uh, demonstrate who he is through the plagues and secure the release of his people. Now remember, uh, there are these great 10 plagues. There's, he turns the water to blood, and then there's the, the abundance of frogs, and then he sends gnats, and he sends flies, and he sends pestilence on the cattle. He gives the people boils, uh, hail from, from the, the heavens fall down. There's this great locust that eat up all of their produce, uh, darkness upon the land. And then, of course, the last one where there's the death of the firstborn children of the Egyptians. But, you know, we might think of these plagues as somewhat random and where, you know, why the, these happened to them. But this was really God's assault on the Egyptian deities, their false gods, the, those false gods that they bowed down to. They had a God for everything. And so uh, each one of those plagues that, that God sends upon the people is God proving his power over them, saying that your God is nothing, that, that, that I am uh, the master over all of these things. Well, let's, let's notice in the second plague, in, if, in Exodus chapter 8, and notice this peculiar reason that Pharaoh uh, gives. And so let, let's begin in Exodus chapter 8, starting in verse 1. It reads this Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite your whole territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs, which will come up and go into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and on your people and into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. So the frogs will come up on you and your people. And all your servants. There's going to be a great deal of frogs. In this second plague that, that God is choosing to, to send to Pharaoh and the Egyptians to let his people go, he, he brings all of these frogs upon the household of the Egyptians. They're everywhere within the house. And notice, uh, if skip down to verse 8, because we're going to notice that Pharaoh is going to say, Stop this. Stop, get rid of these frogs. Notice in verse 8. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he remove the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, The honor is yours to tell me. When shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people that the frogs be destroyed from you and your houses, that they may be left only in the Nile? Verse 10. Then he said, tomorrow. So he said, may it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. See, Pharaoh is seeing another demonstration of God's power. Uh, He's seeing that their Egyptian deity, uh, Heket, uh, the god of frogs, was powerless. And Pharaoh asked Moses to intercede on his behalf And Moses says, when would you like this to happen? He's giving it up to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, when would you like these frogs to be removed from your land? And did you see his answer to that? In verse 10, he said, tomorrow, tomorrow, wouldn't you or I request that the frogs be gone right now? Get rid of these things right now. You know, if my home was overrun with frogs or spiders or snakes or, or skunks, you know, I'd want them gone now, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be on the phone calling the exterminator, the pest control? You know, don't we want to be instantly relieved of our suffering? But isn't that peculiar that that Pharaoh said tomorrow? Well, it's his pride. Pharaoh was a very prideful individual. His heart was hardened and he was that was holding him back from not wanting the frogs gone right then and there. Maybe he's wanting to give his God 24 hours more to come through. You know, maybe he doesn't want to admit that he was wrong. Uh, he's saying, I'd be willing to spend 24 hours, another night with the frogs rather than be wrong. So Pharaoh told Moses to save his people. But just hold off. Hold off until tomorrow. And we all know the results of holding off. When we say that in our lives as well, that, that we're gonna hold off and wait until tomorrow. Because once again, when that plague was lifted, Pharaoh's mind changed, his heart changed. He refused to let them go. See, that first plague should have been, been proof enough. You know, turning the water into blood, that should have been proof enough for Pharaoh to believe that God is who he says he is, that he is the true God. But this man was prideful and his heart was hearted. And so we notice here that he says, hold off until tomorrow. We'll turn with me to Luke chapter six or Luke chapter nine. We're going to look at another account of individuals uh, this time in the New Testament who held off. These would be disciples. uh, Notice with me in Luke chapter nine, starting in verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds have the, the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You see, Jesus, during his earthly ministry, uh, you know, he was looking for those to follow him. Uh, though, and he had individuals turn to him and say, Lord, we, will want, we want to follow you. But instead of giving to their life to Christ now, they had other things to deal with. One individual we just read here said, Lord, I want to follow you. But Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have, have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And Jesus, he's getting the point over to them that, listen, things are going to be rough. I have nowhere to lay my head. Are you willing to endure these sacrifices for this uh, for, to follow me? Now, we don't necessarily know how this instance uh, happened, but look at verse 59. Let's look at the next example. In verse 59, and he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Did, Did you get that? This other person said, he asked another, but he said, Yes, Lord, I want to follow you, but first, but first, let me go and bury my father. Well, what is that man getting at? Well, well, possibly uh, that, that he was telling Jesus that I want to stay at home until my father, uh, you know, passes away. He, he's uh, elder in age and, and I want to, you know, help be there be there for him. Or maybe that he just did pass away. And so there, there's the funeral process to uh, and to all that entails. But the point is that Jesus is trying to get through when he says, allow the dead to bury their own dead, is that we need to let the world take care of those things of the world. But you, sir, he says, devote your things to the greater spiritual concerns of taking the message to the people, to the kingdom of God. Notice in verse 61, the last example that Jesus gives, another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first... Permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, we have another example of an individual saying, Lord, I want to follow you, but first, first let me do this. Let me go home and say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus is saying, listen, being a real disciple of mine will require total dedication. He says no one putting their hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, he's saying you need to grab hold of Christianity and plow your row. Uh, never look back, because what happens when you look back? You get distracted. Your row is not going to be even. It's, you know, it's going to do one of these. You need to hold on to Christianity and never look back. But we see again and again in these examples of these individuals saying, but Lord, let me first do this. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with burying uh, your relative or saying goodbye to your family. But the point is, is that they had priorities. And Jesus is trying to say, listen, I need to be first, first in your life. But they were saying, Jesus, let me first do these things. And Jesus was not willing to lower his standards of discipleship. See, if you're going to follow me, I need your full commitment," he says. "I need both feet in the church, not one foot in the church and one foot into the world." Matthew 6:33 tells us that we need to seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. But doesn't it seem like today that a lot of us have non-Jesus, non-church first-place priorities? You know, we'll say to ourselves, "I'll I'll begin starting or I'll get back to reading the Bible, but first, but first, let me, let me finish this TV series that I'm really interested in. Or we'll say, Lord, I, I really need to get back to praying regularly. Not just in times of troubles, but, but uh, praying to you regularly. But first, you know, let me try it on my own. Let me try uh, getting the, 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 the answer myself. Or sometimes we'll say, I'll start reaching out to others. I'll start putting them first in front of me. But first you know let me take care of myself as well see these procrastinating would be disciples told Jesus hold off hold off until their priorities were taken care of uh, later in the book of Luke in Luke chapter 18 verses 28 and 30 uh, Jesus just gets done with with the um, uh, with the man who, who uh, the rich young ruler and after uh, he you know talks to the rich young ruler Peter comes up to Jesus and he says lord we have left our homes we have given up everything to follow you. And Jesus said, following that, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much as this time in the age to come, eternal life. But again, once and over, we, we read and we see this today that people say, uh, I need to hold off because first, I need to do this or that. Let's look at our last example in Acts chapter 24. In Acts chapter 24, we have the account of Felix. Felix, who is the governor at this time. After Paul's third missionary journey, you might recall, you know, he wants to go back to Jerusalem. But, but there are some prophets at that time who are telling Paul, no, don't go back to Jerusalem because what's going to happen is when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be uh, captured. You're going to be imprisoned. But Paul says, I need to go. I need to go back to Jerusalem. And so sure enough, uh, when he comes back to Jerusalem, uh, the people see him, uh, the Jews see him. They see him with, with a, a Gentile uh, by the name of Trophimus, the Ephesian. And so they assume that Paul brought Trophimus into the the Jewish temple, which would have been a no-no in their religion. And so they seize Paul. They seize Paul, and they're about to kill him uh, when when the Roman government gets involved. And so while Paul is in custody over the uh, oversight of the Roman government and and Felix, Paul was able to uh, defend his case over and over again in the next few chapters. You know, Acts chapter 22, he makes his defense before the Jews. In Acts chapter 23, he goes before the Sanhedrin, which would have been the, the leadership of the, the Jewish nation. In Acts chapter 24, he now goes before Felix. And he, uh, he lays out the, the changes that he had had in his life when he was once Saul of Tarsus. And now he, now he is the Apostle Paul. And he gives this to Felix. And notice in Acts 24, starting in verse 22, right after Paul's speech, it says this. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way... Put them off, saying, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody, and yet some have freedom, and and not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. And so basically, uh, Felix didn't want to make a decision right then and there. Uh, He wanted to get some more information, and so he says to Paul, We're going to do this again. And notice in verses 24 and 25, But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. See, Paul was preaching to this man righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. This, this was a tailored uh, one-on-one sermon that Paul made for this man. Uh, Felix is an interesting character if you know anything about him. Uh, he, he grew up he was born into slavery and so he saw the harshness of it as a young child, but as he grew, he, he was able to uh, take control. He was able to uh, come into a position of power. It was said of him is that with every kind of cruelty and lust, He exercised the authority of a king with the temper of a slave. He was a man who was in position, in the highest position, one of the highest positions in the land, yet he was a cruel, cruel uh, individual and drusilla we're told here in verse 24 is his wife well this is actually his third wife uh, he, he used uh, women as political power as he uh, went up the chain in in the, the roman government and so as he's hearing paul preach these things again self-control righteousness and judgment to come you notice what he said he said to paul go away and when i find time i will summon you Maybe your translation says, when I have a convenient time, I'll call for you. Right? Maybe Felix uh, understood the, sal- the salvation of the gospel message that he was hearing. But politically, it just it wasn't the right time for him. He had plenty of second chances. Look at verses 26 and 27. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would have been given by him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years, he passed. Uh, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus and wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. Felix said to Paul, listen, we're going to hold off on this. Uh, It's not a convenient time for me. Um, I'll make my time for God later. Again, procrastination, holding off. Well, in summary, as we conclude this lesson, why spend another night with the frogs? Why not today? Why tomorrow? You know, let me take care of these things first, some would say, and then I'll follow you. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. We'll say, but let me find time. Let me find a more convenient time. But why do we hold off for Jesus? That's the question we want to ask ourselves this morning. Why maybe we be holding off for Jesus? Are we holding off trying to atone for our own sins? See, some of us, we, we may labor under the impression that if we do a lot of great things, a lot of great works, it will surp- surpass the sins that we may have committed in this life. But it doesn't work that way. Right? We cannot be our own redeemers in this life. The, the song that we sometimes sing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yes, Ephesians 2.10 does tell us that, we, that we, are be, we were made, created for good works for the Lord, but, but not as a payment. But instead, we are to surrender ourselves. Uh, God will, won't make that exception. Well, maybe we're wrestling with our own guilt. Maybe we're holding off because we're wrestling with our own guilt. You know, Maybe you think back to some things in your life that, that you did that maybe were pretty bad. And you ask God to forgive you. Uh, but you, you just can't let it go. Right? If you have small kids, you know, maybe that's a song that you've heard quite a bit uh, from the movie Frozen. Let it go. Right? We just can't let it go sometimes. But God said in First John chapter 1, verse 9, that he is faithful and righteous to forgive us if we confess our sins to him. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. But again, a lot of times we'll say, I can't be useful for God because of my past. But friends, God has made great use of people with rough paths. Not that we have time to go that in the, this morning, but Rahab the harlot, you know, Saul of Tarsus, many individuals uh, that he has used for his greater good. But what about fearing eternity? Maybe we're holding off because we're fearing eternity. As a young child, you know, when we're in, uh, um, scared, when we're, we're nervous, when we're in danger, we run to our parents. Right. Because our parents are a comfort to us. And so we run to them, uh, but Jesus, of course, He's coming again. He's coming again to to bring us to God, our Father. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter one, verses six through nine. That we, you know, we're studying the book of Thessalonians in Bible class uh, this morning. In Second Thessalonians chapter one, starting in six through nine, uh, Paul writes this: For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. And to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire. See, Jesus is coming to give us relief, to give us rest, to give us relax. This is going to be a glorious event. There's no reason for us to fear eternity if we are in Christ. Why would a child of God fear eternity? And friends, are you fearing um, or holding off living outside of Christ? You know, things might not seem so bad when you're outside of Christ. And when you listen to, to messages like this, when you read the scriptures and you, you say, you know, I, I, I've heard about, you know, baptism. I've, I've read what the scriptures say about it and I plan to do it, just not today, uh, someday. But logically, if we use that, that same logic with Pharaoh and the frogs, uh, if you got frogs in your home, don't you want to get rid of them? Don't you want them out of your home? But if you are outside of Christ, wouldn't you want to be inside Christ? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says all spiritual blessings are inside Christ. That's where they are located. And we see Pharaoh's actions and we wonder why. Why, why would he say tomorrow? But when we do it in our own lives as well, you know, maybe we reflect upon Pharaoh and say, wow, you know, I've done that as well. Uh, I plan to get right with the Lord, we'll say, but not till tomorrow. Or I plan to become a Christian, but not until tomorrow. But right, uh, the Scriptures say that we need to be inside Christ. Galatians three twenty six and twenty seven. For uh, Paul there writes that, excuse me, that for all, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. The psalmist said, Psalm 39, verses four and five, David wrote this. He said, Lord, make me to know my end and know is the extent of my days. Let me now know how transient I am. Behold, you have made my days as hand breaths and my lifetime, nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Again, David is telling us, help me just to know how frail I am in this life. I have no power in this life to guarantee another day. It could be gone just like that, just like a hand breath, right? This the short unit of measurement. My life is just like that. Lord, help me to understand that. In James chapter four, verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. How do we know we have tomorrow? But what if tomorrow doesn't come? See, the longer we hold off, uh, your heart gets hardened. Things that used to prick your conscience or your heart, they no longer prick it. So when it comes to you or someone else who, who is holding off, why? Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter six, verse two: "Today is the day of salvation. It's today, right? Not tomorrow, but today." The Hebrews writer in Hebrews nine twenty-seven said, "And in, and inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment." See, there is two things guaranteed in this life: death and the judgment. And on that day of judgment, Jesus said, many will go into eternal punishment while many, or excuse me, while the righteous into eternal life. Well, how does one find eternal life? John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus also said in Luke 13.3, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In Mark sixteen, sixteen, Jesus said, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Friends, We must believe that Jesus is the son of God, repent of our our past sins, confess Jesus as Lord and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can be put in Christ to be added to the church and and to live a life pleasing to God. Don't hold off any longer. Again, this morning, if this message uh, is pricking the conscience or the heart, don't hold off any longer. Uh, Put aside our pride, our procrastination, our, our selfish priorities and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. This morning, if we can help you in any way as we offer the invitation. Uh, if you're here this morning and maybe you're not a Christian and you would love the opportunity to, to help you to, to, to study the scriptures, to see what it says about becoming a Christian. Or maybe you're ready for that and we can uh, baptize you the, right now. Uh, don't hold off uh, again. Uh, or maybe you're here this this morning, and, but you need to ask for forgiveness. Uh, maybe you've been holding off of going back to God in prayer and to asking Um, uh, for help. Again, don't hold off. Don't hold off this morning as, as together we stand and sing this song of encouragement.